today is April 9th, 2015. Welcome to Neuroscientist Talk Shop, UTSA's neurobiology podcast. Our guest today is Yonggan Lee, who is an assistant professor in pathology at Case Western Reserve School of Medicine. Hi, Yonggan. Hi. He has a rich body of work on the cytopathology of Alzheimer's disease, and his recent work is centered around a novel hypothesis that couches Alzheimer's as a disease of inappropriate cell cycle control. He's working on developing research models to link aberrant cell cycle control to the pathogenic progression of Alzheimer's disease. So around the room, we've got Charlie Wilson. Howdy. We've got um, George Perry. Hi. Welcome. And we've got Todd Troyer. Hello. Hi, Todd. And I'm your host, <coughs> Salma Karashi. So just from the very outset, we should just start really broad. So can you just describe to us the rationale for thinking about um, cell cycle control as having relevance to pathological mechanisms in Alzheimer's? Because usually when we think about cell cycle control issues, we think of tumor genesis mm -hmm. and cancer. So how do we get to neurodegeneration from... Um, so first of all, you know, people notice that the, all the cell cycle protein, many cell cycle, type of cell cycle protein is increased in the vulnerable neuron of Alzheimer's disease brain. That's what I think it all started. And people doesn't, didn't understand it very well, like you just described, that you know, cell cycle protein reactivation usually comes with a, a cancer, not a degenerative disease. But Alzheimer's disease is definitely, definitely a degenerative disease, so it's uh, difficult to understand. So there's a lot of debate ongoing uh, that whether that's the cause of the disease or just a consequence or somehow, or it's just an artifact, or it's just kind of, you know, messed up. But that's the you know, beginning, and then, and from that point, we really wanted to address whether cell cycle alteration, cell cycle reentry in here, the causing of the neurodegeneration, whether it can or not. So that's what we want to do experiment in the cell culture and in the animal model to provide the evidence that cell cycle reentry can cause the neuronal cell loss and the neurodegeneration that observed in the Alzheimer's disease. And then that's our research showing that, that the kind of evidence. So suggesting cell cycle reentry uh, may not be just an artifact or just a consequence, but it may cause our neurodegeneration in Alzheimer's disease. So, can, sorry, can I say something? I have, I have a, a lot of neuroscientists, including me, don't know that much about the cell cycle because it's never been something neuroscientists studied very much. Mm -hmm. But if you say cell cycle reentry, you don't really mean that the cell retracts its processes, the nuclear envelope divide, mm -hmm. you know, dissolves, and chromosomes get pulled to opposite ends. And the, do you mean all of that? No, I totally agree with that. That's the kind of classical concept yeah. of cell cycle. Like, you know, that so I think point is, what is the cell cycle we talk about here? What is the definition of cell cycle we are talking about here, right? So... I don't think that, I don't believe that that kind of classical concept of cell cycle reentry can be applied in the Alzheimer's disease. But like you said, that the cell cycle going to, uh, once activated, it's going to go, uh, like, go to the S phase and then DNA replicated and then all directed, uh, distracted and then try to divide. But that's actually never, never been observed in the, the patient's brain. And the well, the, there were suggestions. Carl Harrop suggested that there was DNA replication. Right. That's, yeah, uh, right. So what, that's what I mean. That you know, The definition is going to be at least go to the S pace. So DNA replication is there. But not going on furthermore. Uh, like maybe it's go to 
G1 pace or so immediately S pace is going to go to the die. So there's going to be no morphological change or anything. So like we thought about the classical the or self-cutic like shape, its nucleus stays the same, only now there is extra DNA being made in the nucleus. Right. And you don't know exactly how much, like maybe a whole other set of exactly. the genome, or maybe only part There's of the There's only genome. one person who's done work on, on that, and, he, mm-hmm. and it's never been replicated. Mm-hmm. So we don't know exactly how much of the DNA gets from Or if it's even a common... Even, even he didn't analyze that, you know, actually how much... Like, because of, you know, his method is limited. So reentering this cell cycle could be, uh, I mean, it could only just a, a little tiny bit reenter the cell cycle. It doesn't get very if you, if you want to say that, you know, like I DNA mean, duplication is a little bit, maybe that's, that's the case. I mean, if the whole genome gets replicated, I would call that right, right away, Zen, but if it's only 20%, that's not so much. And then the, the uh, and of course we don't know. I, that's fine. I accept that. Uh, but the... The other aspect of it that fascinates me is the idea that that certain parts of the brain are uh, vulnerable to Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. because they are somehow already engaged to some degree in this re-entering this cell cycle. That that's what makes them vulnerable. Uh, we don't, they have some. I, I think I don't know really about that kind of uh, things that happen in the human brain, but at least based on the, our mouse model study, I think that's the. Uh, one possibility, because like uh, I show in uh, my presentation, that E2F1 is work different way in the cortical neuron and the hippocampal neuron. So that might be possible that you know some neuron is really vulnerable that cannot endure even just a little bit of cell cycle activation like S pace DNA duplication, but some neuron can endure. Oh, I see. So it's possible that that cells all over the brain are starting into the cell cycle. No, 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 no. In, in our model, we are limited in the two population, cortical neuron and hippocampal neuron. Yeah. But, but there's a whole lot of other neurons in the brain that are not very much affected by Alzheimer's disease. So when we talk about right, 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 right. we're talking about that, I think, right, right. at least part of the time. So I'm wondering, you know, why hippocampus and cortex. So I understand there are differences between hippocampus and cortex, and that mm-hmm, sounds mm-hmm. interesting. But there's the whole rest of everything that doesn't that doesn't degenerate in Alzheimer's disease, and it's kind of a question. Yes. Why that is? So is there is there any reason to think that some of the really beginning stages of uh, entering the cell cycle, you might want to do other things to start that related to other processes like neurons are famous for major reorganizations of their morphology. And if one of the things about dividing is you have to subtract everything, and maybe the, the processes that start to reorganize the, the spatial configuration of a neuron are related to the beginnings of, they've been co-opted by the cell cycle, and then something happens, you get a little bit too close to the edge of actually doing the cell cycle. Like normally you kind of want to walk up to the edge yeah. and get some of the facts but maybe go too far no, yeah that's right you know even though even even there is a publication they're showing that certain uh, component of a cell cycle I, I believe that that was CDK1 and um, I think CDK4 too have uh, has a function you know involved in the, that uh, synaptic uh, development in the based on the some uh, synaptic plasticity I think. That kind of publication, uh, there's a series of publication about that kind of law. So they suggest 
alternative, alternate role of a cell cycle machinery in neuron, somewhat different than other cell types. So that's, that, that's also possible. So that's what I, I, I want to say in my talk, also in my research. I, I, I now really want to focus or uh, talk about not cell uh, cycle reentry because of that, I think that kind of give you, uh, people have some misconception about the kind of, you know, uh, classical cell cycle change. But later, I want to focus on the cell cycle signaling pathway or cell cycle machinery. So in that way, I think I can tell it might be uh, related with the uh, DNA duplication and then the uh, regular cell cycle pathway, but it might be also true that uh, some other uh, function, some other alternative function, some other pathway to activate it in, in a unique way in the neuron. So maybe that might be uh, the underlying mechanism of a neural cell death too. So um, how do we get to aberrant protein aggregation from cell cycle? I mean, so or if we think of that as a compensatory response potentially to something else and not the triggering effect for the degeneration, how do you connect these sort of two ends of the, the field? Because, I mean, that's the way we define Alzheimer's, right, is pathological. You, you talk about that, like an amyloid yeah. beta aggregation. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I think I can see it in the in vitro, say, like I show in my talk, that aggregation of the A-beta, aggregated A-beta, like oligomeric A-beta, can cause the cell cycle reentry in our stress culture model and the cell culture model, and then it definitely induces the cell cycle. And then one of the mechanisms I thought about it was the, you know, bind with the, some receptor, in the case of the NMDA receptor and the PRP protein, like we published previously, and then that uh, activate the signaling cascade pathway to uh, uh, can go into uh, activation of a cell cycle. In that case, we demonstrate that the P27 is the important factor because of that pathway eventually causes degradation of our P27. And then, you know, now then cell can go to the cell cycle reentry and then die. That's what we propose. But I think we still need to determine that that mechanism actually really work in the uh, animal model. In a uh, in live animal, and then also most importantly in the human brain, because in human brain it was not very very, very successful to demonstrate that amyloid beta is really caused all the mechanisms, not only the cell cycle, other mechanisms, how they link to each other. You know, de- definitely amyloid beta uh, accumulation and tau accumulation is the marker for the disease, and then it's correlated to the disease in certain level, but. Uh, but they can be a, a kind of a, a cause of all the things happening in the, what we saw in the cell culture model. I think that still remains to be seen in the human brain. So what's the state of the whole amyloid beta and tau ideas? I mean, uh, maybe someone's question, which sort of implies that, of course, it has to be amyloid beta. Maybe amyloid beta doesn't have to be causal at all. Could, True. Are we, is, are, are we at this point... Uh, forced to always put everything in the amyloid beta terms, or are we free to think about stuff that's completely unrelated? That's true, and then that's what uh, here's George, also you know, <laughs> our group, uh, you know, Mark the, Smith. right, Mark Smith suggested that kind of a theory, you know, what decade ago, and then now I think many years ago. Okay, let's say 15 years ago, more specific. <laughs> and now I believe that many people follow 
that kind of opinion. I, 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 I think now it's about, let's say, 50 50. You know, believer or non believer, they better. Right? So that's down a lot over the years. Since yes, but the 50% that believe are the dominant people. <laughs> so I think that, you know, now, like you said, that now Avera has a lot of trouble with the kind of, you know, call recent data, including the clinical trial. So tell us about the clinical trial. What, what was the What was the clinical trial? What was the outcome? The people have been targeting the amyloid beta using the immuno, immunotherapy method, and then also to targeting the secretase, like beta secretase and the gamma secretase. But all the trials have been tried in the last decade, and all fail. There's no, you know, clear improvement of the patient, and then mostly they come with a severe side pack. So... So they were able to clear amyloid beta, and... No, actually, nobody, I think no clinical no, trial clearly they showed that. They did? Yes. They showed by... Um, like imaging, head imaging? Head imaging okay. and subsequent autopsy. Some of the people uh, had most of their amyloid removed. And okay. they got had no improvement. There was no relationship. There was no that. improvement, except that then there was a new story made up about oligomers. We should remove that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's different yeah, forms. But it right. wasn't just the plaques. Uh-huh. Amyloid levels generally dropped very low, and there was no clinical benefit. There's a new study that was just released in the past month using monoclonal antibodies, but mm-hmm. it's a phase 1B study, so it's a very early study and showed some benefit, uh-huh. but it's still not statistically valid. And benefit in early stage results have been shown for a lot of different treatments. And in animals, hundreds of treatments. In humans, some, including ones we've been involved with. <laughs> so if there's no... I, I, I interpret that to... Uh, as meaning that I have the freedom to say there's no general agreement on what the, the first cause of Alzheimer's is. Right? There's, I, 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 I probably can say the dominant, dominant consensus or dominant opinion about what caused Alzheimer's disease, and that would have been the amyloid better. So it's still thought that by most people... Most people that dominate the field, the most highly cited people, the people who tend to be at Ivy uh-huh. League universities, the ones who... Yeah, but, uh, but it's, it's been weakened enough that I'm free to think about something else as a first We have course. been free to think about it, that other things for uh-huh. a long time. <laughs> so, I mean, how about the end, the end cause, the actual cause of cell death? Is there some agreement on the sort of final chemical pathways that give rise to cell death? Because right? picture the whole causal thing is a tree, right? There's yeah. a bunch of different things that could be causing it. There's a bunch of different... That's what Mark Smith and John Way proposed. They so a bunch of different the two-hit Intracellular signaling hits. pathways that are all interacting yeah. with each other. And then there should be some kind of final common mechanism of cell death for all that stuff. But is that... Is, is there a final common mechanism I sell that? So I really want to say it, but I, at least in my opinion, I don't think that there's any consensus or that uh, what is the general mechanism. I, I, even I, not, not only uh, for the Alzheimer's disease, I'm not sure that, you know, that kind of general mechanism of cell death for any type of neuronal cell death. So I think a lot of people go to the, some specific uh, the type, the mode of the cell death, like excitotoxicity or oxidative stress mediated cell death or like cell cycle intermediated cell death, something like that. But I think there's no consensus that like like you know which mode is kind of like you know general for all 
there's opinion that a uh, cell cycle uh, reentry is the general mechanism of the all type of cell death in the neurodegenerative disease and the stroke uh, uh, model and a patient too, right? But I think they need to be shown. And then also, you know, more importantly, that's kind of like, you know, um, pathway, cascade pathway. But if you're going to go to the more molecular level, like which molecule, which molecular pathway, like ARC pathway or, you know, like cascade 3 or some kind of, you know, which pathway, like mitochondrial pathway, I think that also needs to be uh, shown that any, is there any uh, kind of general mode of the cell death is there. Like, you know, uh, always mitochondria uh, involved in the cell death or maybe a cell cycle change, always that specific molecule, let's say P27, always involved in the cell death. I think that needs to be shown. I don't think there's any uh, study clearly shown that this is kind of like a, a terminal, yeah. terminal step of the cell death and then all going to the, this eventually the study with the, from the wide spread out eventually go into the, the one pathway, one molecule in here. Initially, we thought it was something as simple as apoptosis. And uh, there were publications from others that said there was apoptosis, and we observed that you couldn't explain it by apoptosis. There were apoptosis elements, which are also the same as mm-hmm. cell cycle elements, mm-hmm. but the cells existed with these changes for years. So these are uh, uh, DNA uh, Damager the like, DNA damage, uh, caspase three. Mm-hmm. So DNA damage is common to both of them, to all of these mechanisms. Well, so fragmentation, right? we're seeing it. So this is like a tunnel staining. Is tunnel staining. The problem is, it's not very specific to apoptosis. But yeah, that's what Carl Kopman reported. That in fact, we were doing the same time. I had a rotation student, and she wanted to study apoptosis. So. I said, well, let's figure out how we study this. So she did tunnel stain in every cell stained. Well, this can't be apoptosis because the brain would have been gone. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Carl published a paper on this topic during that period. And I said, well, this is really great. This is clearly he's misinterpreted it. And then I got another paper for review at that time. And then we did a um, parody on it. And uh, we calculated how how long the brain would last with apoptosis. Uh, it would be gone like in you know a couple days. So and you shouldn't so, observe well, very many cells. Mm-hmm. But this is in pathological Human material. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that a similar thing happened can be seen in Huntington's disease, where it seems that almost every cell has tunnel staining. Mm-hmm. And one explanation for that I heard was, well, the cells were really close, and when the patient died. They all oh. went the rest of the way. That I think that idea was called cell agony or cell <laughs> agonism or something like that. But that's so what do you think about that idea? I think it's incorrect for Alzheimer's disease because people die at all different states during the disease and they die in very different ways. And we did analysis of how people, in fact, one paper reviewer asked me to do it, to have a chart of how everybody died in the paper. Uh, for Huntington disease, maybe it's more stereotypically how people die. And maybe they do have agonal change. I can't state that. But in Alzheimer's disease, some of the people die of heart attacks. They die of other things. These are aged individuals. They have lots of reasons to check out. So that means that there's, there is some tunnel staining all over the place. All over the place. Essentially every cell. Not just in the places that are vulnerable to Alzheimer's disease. No, the vulnerable places. The vulnerable neurons. 
so maybe that's associated with vulnerability, but not necessarily with that final stages of cell death or something like that. That's what we speculated on this. We speculated that you would find 1 in 10,000 cells based on normal apoptosis time scale. And instead we found essentially 100. And then somebody went and reanalyzed it, and they found exactly the number we speculated, the one that Mark Smith and I calculated Mm -hmm. not very carefully, I might add. (laughs) And uh, people like the calculation. Yeah, they cite that yeah. calculation. Yeah, so this is a calculation of how long cells would... No, it was a calculation about how many cells you would expect to show apoptotic changes based on how long mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease ah, lasts. So how many cells should many, be? Under yeah, like four, four out of 10,000. And then somebody, I can't remember who, they actually found that number, the one we speculate, which we just meant that it would be a rare event. Uh-huh. So... Uh, what should I conclude? I mean, that you are a lucky calculator or that their numbers are somehow... Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> so that means... Uh, so, you know, in your work, you use uh, some uh, method of detecting DNA damage. Mm-hmm. What was that method? Uh, it was gamma-HTEX. So what is that? How's it... uh, Gamma-HTEX is the uh, histomolecule. And then that's, you know, very well known that gamma-HTEX increased uh, upon a double-strained breakage. So that's somewhat different than tunnel staining. This is very well known. And then they form the poci in the nuclei, and then it can go to the DNA repair pathway, and also it can go to the uh, cell death pathway too. So gamma-HTEX has been used by sensitive marker for DNA damage in many other studies. And so the idea is that... The way you say it, it could go either way, meaning that the cell makes some kind of decision that it can repair itself, or it makes some kind of decision that it can't. I I, I don't know. I, I have a talk with uh, that kind of thing with uh, some some somebody someone is uh, an expert in the DNA repair pathway, and my my impression is that you know it's it's not self determined by the uh, cell. It's about the capacity. So uh, the DNA DNA level is in the under under the capacity of that they can repair. Then it's going to be the repairing, and then it's going to be okay. But it's going to be the over the capacity. It cannot repair. It's too much damage, and then it's going to go to uh, the cell death pathway. That's how I understand. Uh-huh. And it takes time to get to the point where you. I mean, there, is this all sort of a, a like how quickly does the DNA damage happen? That's sort of phase. Is this sort of one of the things that can determine the time course, right? In our model. Yeah. In our model, in our animal model, we found that it's about the same time when the cell cycle starts. So it's about to simultaneously happen. It's all right, right away then. Everything's happening. Right, right. So that's what you know, we want to do. Uh, that, that's why we did uh, some uh, chronological uh, study and then also thinking about which one is the first. Like, you know, we believe that uh, our model, cell cycle, is increased and the DNA damage is follow. Or, and but you know it, it seems like that it, it also be a opposite ways to possible like the DNA damage is somehow occur and the cell cycles follow like that so that's why we did some chronological uh, uh, analysis and then also inhibitor analysis you saw that and then it, we demonstrate that the cell cycle is the main uh, uh, offspring of the DNA damage so maybe it is the replication of DNA that's leading to the damage. That's true. Is that so that's actually what, what uh, I got a suggestion from the, the DNA uh, repair uh, uh, expert. They said there's a, there could, the DNA damage could be a two-type. 
in this case, in our cases, in the, like in cancer biology, it's very well known that the replicative stress, that kind of like, you know, the replicate, you know, uncontrolled replicate DNA replication can cause the DNA damage, and then it can go to uh, the cell death pathway, right? And that's going to be uh, one stress. And the other one is just, to, you know, uh, uh, the DNA damage by a fragmentation or some other uh, condition. So actually, he suggests us that looking at the both direction, and but he... Uh, predicted, like you, you just said, that might be related to the replicative uh, DNA stress. So that at least would provide a link between cell death and re-entering the cell cycle, which is one of the sort of gaps and seems that's, to be that... You know, that's an easy guess. That's the easy guess. Which that, easy that, guesses usually don't turn out to be right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy lead, yeah. and that's why we actually that's why we look at the DNA damage, right. and that, because that's been already been shown in the cancer right. biology, right? So we want to follow that, and we want to test that idea, and that's true that that all the molecule they mentioned is activated, and that goes into action. But I believe that I didn't show the data, and then I, uh, I we haven't we, we are now looking well, uh, working on that. So I, I don't want to reveal the data in it at this moment. But I got some idea that you know it might not be uh, that simple. It, it's something else. Some the earlier change and some other pathway is activated by uh, uh, either cell cycle DNA damage together or by only uh, only by the cell cycle, and that pathway is regulated and it causes the uh, cell death. And then also at the same time, it is also possible that it's not only uh, not a single pathway. It might be a multiple direction, right? I think that also can explain the why we can see such a selective neurodegeneration and when we are uh, combined genetic, genetic modification with E2F1 to one cell type has no problem, no change at all. And one cell type has to be, you know, totally different uh, pattern, right? So that means that, you know, there could be a multiple direction of the cause of a cell death, and so in a, a, a normal condition, let's say normal condition, it's not normal condition, but let's say just in the condition we cause cell death by the cell cycle, they're going to be a, go to the multiple pathway activated, and it's end up with, uh, I don't know, that's going to be a, a, to come to the one terminal pathway or whatever, I'm not sure, but it causes cell death, contribute, contribute, like in a two-hit hypothesis like George just mentioned, so like that way, but also at the same time, it might be a single pathway, and in that case, it might be a you know duplicative stress. So I think I think I need to determine which is the case. So how how how, uh, how narrow is the bottleneck to uh, cell cycle reentry? Is this like a they can, I mean, you initiated it in in some specific ways, but is this a complicated? Uh, there's a gazillion things that you can do to, to trigger entering the cell cycle, and you right, one of them, or, or is it a pretty narrow bottleneck for what? Uh, you know, actually, it had been it had been very difficult to induce a cell cycle reentry in neuron. People tried to a lot, like in P twenty seven. People initially thought about P27 is a very critical factor to hold up the neuron at a uh, post myelotic status. So if you get into P27 from the neuron, uh, because of the, let's say, break, break is gone. So now the neuron can drive on the cell cycle pathway. But it turned out to be, it's not the case. They, well, they removed the P27, it didn't work. 
it, there's no cell cycle change. So that means that there's another backup system come in and hold you up, right? So eventually, they uh, published, uh, they study showed that if you, you do multiple, like get rid of a P27, P19, and P21, and they all combined together, and then you can see to progress of cell cycle. But I don't think that the kind of study even show that such a robust change like we saw in the early knockout mouse. So uh, I'm not sure it's, it's kind of a narrow bottle level like that, but I believe that there's a, a lot of backup and system and a complicated system, but there's a, some hub that, let's say, if that's the bottle leg, maybe that's the bottle leg, you know, right? Mm-hmm. The narrow thing. But that point, we should uh, uh, change it. But other than that, uh, there's a lot of uh, system combined together and regulating. So I think it's not easy. So when you say not easy, you mean not easy to identify a target because you'd like to use this bottleneck to, for target selection, for treatment, right? That's why bottleneck... To treat the so cell cycle. Uh-huh. Like uh, some uh, classical concept of cell cycle, let's say DNA duplication. It may not. It might not be easy because there's many pathways can go get around. I think so. That's actually one of the purpose of my research. That because, because I think um, that's why I got a comment from the people in whom I study. Let's just say the cell cycle reentry is really important for the neurodegeneration or urinary cell load. How can we target? Yeah. Because about that come with some significant side effect or toxicity, yeah. right? So to avoid that problem, I think we can do it by dissecting out the furthermore and understand the mechanism. And the key element does not affect usually in the regular cell cycle, but it's kind of unique factor in the death of cell cycle reentry in the neurodegenerative disease. And if we can find the single target, or not a single target, just specific target, I think we can do it. And actually, we have one candidate for that's that uh, uh, like enzyme to involve in. And that's why we haven't studied. And then uh, hopefully, I hope that, you know, that worked out that direction. But uh, but anyway, I think the cell cycle is it, difficult to uh, prevent it, it overall, completely. Like I say, the cell cycle, DNA replication of everything. But I believe that there is a certain uh, specific pathway we can prevent, we can, we can block it, and then at least we can uh, prevent urinary cell death in that way. So, so which means that I actually not sure whether all the cell cycle change we saw is directly related with the cell death or not. Like we saw in the ETF knockout, there's a still cell cycle going, and then we saw that we blocked it in the that uh, uh, DNA damage, and the cell is rescued, right? So which means that. But, but we saw that there's still some of the cell cycle marker is up. But we blocked it at the bottom pathway, and then cells can survive. So I think it's feasible to target it. In fact, it, that was very specific because that didn't have an effect on the hippocampus. That was the treatment that didn't That's rescue true. this. That's the true. That did rescue That's the true. That's true. So it's not an easy, easy uh, question. Of course, to, you, you, know. don't, you don't want to stop the cell cycle in the gut, for example, <laughs> right? Only in the brain. And then, even then, you don't want to stop it in the dentate gyrus, 
but that's true. part of yeah. the regular right. function of the hippocampus. Right. In the cortex and in the CA1 is mm-hmm. where you specifically want to. Mm-hmm. So well, chemotherapy agents do that kind of stuff all the time, though, don't they? Yeah. Don't yeah, but it's tremendously toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a question of which is clinically worse, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering. Oh, I see. You, you think uh, uh, patients can tolerate having their cells psychic? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the chemotherapy you talk about, like, you know, classical, the old-style traditional chemotherapy, right, chemo. Yeah. But, you know, the chemotherapy designed to kill the cell uh, which right, divide it, blocking the dividing, yeah. right? Because so, the tumorigenic cells. Right. So, like so, of, so the drug I'm really talking about here is that actually blocking the cell's cycle pathway mm-hmm. because of that uh, chemotherapy that you talk about, traditional chemotherapy, is using the DNA duplicate, usual DNA duplicate mechanism and just, you know, hop in something like that, the toxic molecule, and then stop the DNA duplication and then give the toxicity. <laughs> so if that we want to target to put the arsenic disease targeting cell cycle, I think that kind of uh, approach cannot be used. Oh, it's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's the right. opposite right. situation. Right. So that's why I think that, you know, uh, uh, that therapy is not useful, but, you know, it's like a new generation. That, now that's what, you know, people developing in the, the cancer treatment, the targeting the enzyme directly or some new mechanism, not like, you know, that DNA uh, replication machinery or something. It seems like one of the challenges with Alzheimer's is always though, to try to find a, the preclinical marker. Because once you've got a person coming in with dementia, you've already got significant cell loss, presumably, right? Is it or It's variable. It's not. Yeah. It's variable. It's, uh, you know, all of us show the uh, picture of the uh, uh, walnut brain. You know, if somebody has tremendous atrophy, but it's actually a variable feature of the disease. Some people will have very minor changes in the brain with dementia. So there's no clear correlation, right? No correlation. It's known since the 1980s. There's no correlation of neuronal loss or atrophy with clinical. I keep hearing that, but refusing to accept it. It's so hard to believe, right? So when people first are diagnosed, their MRI scans show normal morphology. Is that right? You have to, in order to be able to spot it, number one, it would, there's variable morphology. And if you follow people longitudinally, you would have seen that they decreased in size. Mm-hmm. But people are variable. Uh-huh. So they started at different places. They started at different places. Brains are very different sizes and different people and the comparison. So if you look at that, it means, but you would, if you correlated that in the old study where Bob Terry and some others counted the neurons, they actually found there was no correlation. There's no correlation with plaques. There's no correlation with neurons. There's said to be a correlation with synapses, but actually nobody's really measured them. Wow. So you imagine, what's the most promising target then? It's just getting, trying to figure out the trigger of what is causing the injury? Or, I mean, it seems like there are a bunch of different points along the way that you can right. kind of limit as the cascade progresses, right? I think that's the thing is that, you know, if we can, if we, if we can identify what is the inducer mm-hmm. of the cell cycle, then that would be the ideal target, right? Because of that block the, from the offspring. So you, uh, <coughs> cancer, cancer researchers doing, would seem like an ideal target for cancer too, right? I mean, if you can... Yeah, but problem is that there's is it, so many different inducers there. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know, but is some of the I don't know whether the techniques are going after some of the things may have common. You may be able to 
to import some of the approaches or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I was. I guess I was going to ask whether they're related or not. Um, you mean the, between the cancer and the Alzheimer's? Yeah. To, no, I think it's highly related. Of, 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 of having the cell cycle as a target. I mean, I don't know. It's a little bit of a question of how much. And, and you must have ideas. You've done other studies. What are some ideas that would force cells into the cell cycle? I'll say to Fritz. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so that might be the good target, you know, if you can, like, but I think that that, that kind of scenario that was, you know, identified and then is ideally is manageable target, like not so many as kind of limited number. But if that's not the case, I think I'd be better to target, uh, like I uh, said earlier, that some unique change of the cell cycle if exists. I think I believe that there are. And, you know, targeting a, such a, 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 a pathway or molecule would be a beneficial and then therapeutically uh, used. Do you imagine that this is like a focalized event that happens in a certain part of the brain? Or is this some generic thing and then just certain cell populations are going to be more susceptible? Like, is there, in terms of how much of the brain is... I don't know yet. I don't know yet. That's because, you know, that's why you just started to look at that kind of such a vulnerability, uh, or selective vulnerability in our mouse model. But that's been very, very long that our similar disease. But I think that's a still question that whether there's such a vulnerability from that cellular context itself, or like, you know, that kind of some inducer is distributed in that selective, selectivity, selective manner. What do you think? I think some of your experiments or others we've done suggest that there's a systemic element to it. Okay. Because we were able to find changes even in skin cells that were similar to the brain. So, but it seems like the disease progression itself is not as stereotyped as other types of neurodegeneration, uh, just in terms of like the hallmarks. Maybe not the time course, but like Parkinson's has sort of definitive. Points and its well, progression. I think people more or less impose this stuff. I mean, we don't we don't look at the pathological data and just think, "Well, this doesn't make sense." Every patient is different from another, every other patient. We look for some kind of extract some pattern from it, and then we try to then we maybe exaggerate a little bit because there's no way to really describe the meaning of the variability, but you can describe the meaning of the commonality, and so. We always emphasize the You emphasize classic Parkinson's, which is only a subclass of people that have Lewy bodies. That's true. So one of, one of the tricks in Parkinson's disease was to just redefine the disease down to something that was more uh, stereotyped to the uh, by, by throwing all kinds of Parkinsonian-like things out of the mix. And so that that helps, and and it's completely reasonable to do that. But I'd say that Parkinson's disease is also super idiopathic. I mean, it's even called idiopathic. It's really different from one person to the next. And so the, I don't think it's probably that much more stereotyped than Alzheimer's disease. And Alzheimer's disease may be the archetype of the degenerative changes of aging, because we see the same changes in people when they become in their late 
30s, early 40s, you see the same changes, but they're much lower levels. I don't know if that's true of Parkinson's. That may be the case, but we study it less carefully. Thank you all for joining us. This has been Neuroscientist Talk Talk. <laughs>